I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike, that is. Thank you very much. Oh, boy. Uh, I was reminded that I have gotten the name wrong before, so I shouldn't cast too many stones here in this glass house of mine. Uh, Anyway, what'd you do last night? Uh, No, besides disinfecting every surface uh, you've ever touched in your life. uh, Last night, I sat down and watched a little bit of TV. Uh, The Democrats, they got back together, the last two uh, remaining. Well, that's not true, because Tulsi Gabbard's still in it, right? Last night, uh, two candidates for the Democratic nomination for uh, to seek the presidency, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, they got together in Washington, D.C., and they debated one another. Most of the debate was, of course, spent uh, talking about these coronavirus issues and uh, things they'd like to see done and uh, different ways they might handle it and how uh, their ideas compare to what's happening and how their ideas compare to one another's ideas and Anyway, that played out for a while last night, and it was interesting. It was eerie, if I'm honest. There was no studio audience. There were very few candidates, just the two of them. That's a new sight for us here in this debate setting. Uh, we Also, not having an audience there changes the entire presentation by these candidates. Anyway, uh, before I get too uh, down this road on my own, speculating and wondering and uh, ranting and raving, uh, I every time there is a, a Democrat debate, uh, it is my uh, treat to be able to speak to Scott Howell uh, here. And he joins me over the phone this time. So often you and I uh, have the great privilege of speaking to each other here face to face. But, uh, uh, you know, new coronavirus fears uh, being what they be and the vice advice uh, being what it is. Uh, we're having most of the conversations here over the phone. So, uh, Scott Howell, grateful to you for joining me over the phone. How things go last night, thanks. you think? Thanks, Lee. I really appreciate the invitation. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. But I think we're practicing what the president and uh, the governor and other leaders have talked about. If you can avoid social contact, uh, do the right thing because you just never know. So I appreciate uh, – I always like being in, in, in the studio with you. It's uh, it's such a pleasure. Um, gosh, what an uncanny time, which really leads up to the debate last night. The uh, uh, coronavirus changed the whole debate. And like you said, it changed the dynamics of no audience. Um, I, I, I especially like that because I think they got in more questions and there weren't applause points in, uh, in their answers. I, if you noticed, it was the longest time where they could interact with each other. And uh, at the debate commission, we've had these conversations, as you probably remember, sure. uh, except for the guy who charged the stage with Chris. Uh, we, we really have asked our audiences to, to maintain a reverence out of respect for the candidates 
Because as you know, every second on the stage is important to that candidate to get their message out. Absolutely. So, and they and then over time, they develop like a, a rhythm and a, yeah. a way of presenting. And you, you could tell that the two of them were both in kind of uh, uncharted territory, or at least territory uh, for which they had not uh, specifically prepared. Uh, a lot more airtime to fill, uh, a lot uh, less response from anyone. Well, no response from anyone as they uh, debated last night without an audience. You know, and, and what you said is so true in that there was no response from anyone, but, but it did, they did question each other. And actually, I, I thought that was a good thing where uh, Sanders called him, uh, called the vice president out. And he, he talked about um, uh, the bills that uh, the president had been supporting. And, and uh, I thought there was a classic line when Sanders hit Biden for supporting a bank bailout, you know, in that 2008 financial crisis. Uh. And Biden fired back. He said, all those people, Bernie, says he cares about would be in a says he cares about would be in a deep, deep trouble if the banks had gone under. And then, you know, Sanders ticked through the what he said was Biden's most troubling votes. He talked about the former vice president uh, talking about, um, you know, uh, the, his on the Hyde Amendment and, and all those different things. But it was interesting because uh, I think Biden really fired back and talked about federally mandated uh, background checks to protect the gun industry from lawsuits. Uh, you know, that was really uh, Bernie, one of his great uh, uh, positions that he had. And uh, so it was interesting to see them go back and forth. And then all of a sudden, Cuba, China, Russia come yeah. in. <laughs> it's in the equation. Yeah. I mean, we're all kind of sitting there. Wait, uh, you know, are you a socialist, Bernie? And I think that, I mean, are you even under dictatorship? Is that what you propose? And uh, I, I thought Sanders had it, uh, he handled it well. But for Sanders, he had a difficult challenge on Sunday night. He needed to really present himself as a viable alternative to Biden in a way that really didn't anger Democrats who are winners from everything that's going on. If you look at the delegate count right now, um, the vice president is far ahead. Um, and, and I do I do feel bad for Sanders in the sense of this environment that we're in. His greatest strength is to be able to gen up an audience. He really knows how to get out there and fire them up. And you've seen that in Utah. You've seen it yeah. everywhere else. Uh, but the reality of the situation comes that these, the kids don't vote. Yeah. And, and that's one of the saddest things that I think we look at. And I, I think... Really, last night, what we saw, that if you want leadership and experience in a crisis, you get Biden. If you want to hold a, a rally for college students to talk about plans that really you and I and, and most other people have been in politics, they'll never be implemented, you get Bernie. Yeah. And that was kind of where it, it left off at the end. And, and I'll tell you, it was, it was very, very interesting to watch how the media played it after. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I can't say that there was one great winner other than you saw the statesmanship of Biden talking about the situation room, talking about uh, the time that he'd spent in there. Sure. So it, uh, in one sense, the, it, 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 I don't think it catapulted either candidate forward, but it did show a mighty strong presence. Yeah of a statesman with Biden on the stand. Scott, to, gonna, excuse me. We're going to have to leave it at that. I'm grateful to you for joining me. Uh, Scott Howell, my guest, looking back on last night's Democratic debate, uh, which was played out under 
different circumstances as we uh, around the world respond to this coronavirus stuff. It had its impact last night on the debate in terms of topicality and also in terms of format. No audience. Uh, the candidates were placed very far from one another, and you could feel the impact of uh, this coronavirus on that event. Uh, Scott, sir, grateful to you for your time. Thanks for dialing in. Hey, thanks a million, Lee, and to everyone else, be safe out there. Follow those guidelines. You know what? Let's don't have it happen here in Utah. That's the thanks, way. Thanks, Lee. 100%. Thank you, sir. Uh, before before we move on to a new topic, I do want to say we may have learned something last night. And I'm sorry I didn't get to this before uh, we let Scott go there. But uh, uh, Joe Biden last night made uh, an inference as to who he may select as a running mate. If I'm elected president, my my cabinet, my administration will look like the country. And I commit that I will, in fact, appoint a I'll pick a woman to be vice president. Bernie Sanders said something similar. For me, it's not just uh, nominating Uh, or uh, a woman. It is making sure that we have a progressive women, and there are progressive women out there. So my very strong tendency is to move in that direction. So keep an eye out uh, as these two uh, contenders for the presidency move forward in their campaigns and make some certain decisions up here in the near future. Uh, The highest of likelihoods, at least as telegraphed by those two gentlemen in the debate last night, is that they will be selecting a female vice presidential candidate. We're going to move on, uh, talk in the next segment uh, more about this coronavirus, specifically about price gouging. You've seen practices like this throughout the country. You have seen leaders step up and speak out against this terrible, terrible practice of price gouging, taking advantage of those who are afraid. That's a terrible, vile thing. We're going to dig into how terrible it is and what's being done to combat it next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.